My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone. Then he told me the price and I was like, well, you know, the, you know I, didn't, I didn't let it on to him, but I was like, in my head straight away, that works. Um, so, yeah, that, that was pretty much the way it was. It was just, um, yeah, making those, making those relationships and, uh, yeah, and effectively, effectively getting a good deal off the back of that. This is Property Investory where we talk to successful property investors to find out more about their stories, mindset and strategies. I'm Tyron Shum and in this episode, we're speaking with award-winning Property Investor of the Year, Sam Gordon. With a track record of 20 properties under the age of 30, we hear about another spectacular find where he bought a four-unit block for next to nothing. He tells us how he renovated the units on a budget and how he made a jaw-dropping amount of equity after they were revalued. Gordon sourced an awesome deal where he ultimately paid around $12,000 for 4 units. But how on earth did he manage to find it? And what were his motivations when researching the area? This deal, I was I was really looking for something that I could uh, force some value on it, um, refinance out to my capital, try and refinance all my capital out of the deal to keep moving forward, but also retain a good positive cash flow. So um, at the time I was accumulating some deals like this, it was really important for me to kind of have that structure that I could keep moving forward um, and keep you know adding those different things into the portfolio. So yeah, that was that was the main kind of precursor for going out and sourcing this one. But how did he come across it? Let's unpack it. I was chasing, um, I was chasing a location that would provide this sort of strategy for me, right? So I, I was kind of researching a lot of different um, uh, areas right around the country, um, trying to find really strong regional towns. I was setting a minimum ten thousand people population, uh, but had good. Uh, economies there as well, right? No, I'm not talking mining towns. I'm talking good, strong regional towns. Um, 10,000 is a minimum, you know, aiming for 20,000 plus. Um, and I was also, yeah, looking for to be either near kind of like maybe like a lifestyle location, like near beaches um, or in a good, you know, uh, like a robust robust area, robust industries in it as well, um, as well as having good affordable housing that I could pick up that I knew I could force additional value and, and, and retain that positive cash flow, which at the time in my portfolio was, I was nearing the, and where I was looking at, um, you know, kind of pulling out of work and, and essentially retiring. Um, and so it was the last few couple of deals like this is really what I was aiming for to, to kind of, you know, make the most out of the, the situation. Yeah. Just curious, you mentioned that you're trying to find, I guess, regional towns that sort of also have potentially a beach kind of lifestyle. I mean, a lot of those kind of places nowadays are quite high, you know, because it's, it's got, you know, by the beach and so forth and people, especially baby booms, move towards there. 
what kind of price range did you try and set yourself? Because it's quite easy to just you know go as far as up to you know a few million dollars to you know maybe starting off at two three hundred k. Like, did you also set a budget in place as well? Yeah, I was pretty much looking for areas that kind of had a, a more of a median house price in, in the lower echelon, kind of around that three to four hundred thousand. I thought if I could find the you know somewhere somewhere that had a median house price in the three hundreds, I could more than likely source myself a good unit block um, that had yeah it had all, had all those prospects that I was looking for, where units were around about that kind of around that one fifty a pop. Um, that's kind of where I was kind of looking and um, yeah. And then, and then obviously trying to find something that was maybe a little more run down that had the ability to be titled um, and yeah, just pretty much just working it from there. Okay. How long did it take you to get to that stage to be able to find that? Cause there's so many suburbs, so many towns, you know, you could have spent a whole year searching. It took me a fair while. I think I was probably looking for about, for those ones, I think to, to find the location, it took me about three months um, to find the actual location that stacked up. And then what I always do, and I've done this for, for a very, very long time, is, is I really research into the area. And, and so I know the area actually back to front, not just find a deal that I think is good and pull the trigger on it. I like to really do the research into the area to make sure, um, for one, that I know the actual pricing of property back to front so that I don't make a mistake. Um, and, and for two, to make sure that all my figures are dead accurate and that the market's moving in the right direction um, and definitely not you know, trending backwards. Yeah. And did you pick a specific state or you just went, okay, I'm going to stick with where close to, to I am at this point in time? I was, I was um, state, you know, Australia-wide. I wasn't, I wasn't being kind of state dependent. I, I was kind of rooting for those towns that had the, uh, funnily enough, I kind of, <laughs> I Googled, I Googled a hundred um, top 100 population um, cities in Australia or, you know, cities, towns in Australia or, or whatever. Um, and I just worked up kind of from that, around about that 10,000 10, um, population up to, I think I was working even up to about 150,000 people because there's some big regional cities, you know, up in, um, up in Queensland have some, you know, really strong populations that have good unit block potentials as well. Um, but yeah, this one in particular, um, yeah, it was just, I was just kind of searching, sourcing and it really just fell perfectly within all those, all the kind of criteria I'd set for myself. Yeah. So, what I probably would like to know and I'm sure listeners would also like to find out is how did you come across setting up this kind of criteria because 10,000 seems like a random number, right? <laughs> I mean, I, I could have said 5,000. So, there's a couple of things that come into the equation. So, 5,000 or less and majority of banks won't lend to you. Unless you're a principal place of residence um, in that area, a lot of the time the banks won't lend to you. It, you know, if you can show a good stable job in, in, in a small town, a bank will, you know, like the big mainstream lenders will lend to you in, in a location like that. But for investment purposes, anything less than 5000 majority of the time they're not going to lend to you. And then stepping it up because I was going to uh, going up to four, I was looking at four properties plus. I was also at the back end of my portfolio. I had to look at commercial funding. So for me, for commercial funding, the people that were going to um, actually lend to me, were um, they had a minimum criteria of 10,000 uh, people population. But on top of that as well, uh, for me, a 10,000 plus population is a pretty strong town. It's normally a pretty pretty, um, pretty robust. They've normally got more than one industry um, and and they're ticking along pretty well. So there's, there's that dynamic there where for one, a lot of the time the housing markets, especially from a rental perspective, are actually quite tight because no big developer is going to be going out there, you know, chopping up you know, 500, 500 block estates when there's a population of 10,000 people, you know, might be 2,000 houses there as it is. So there's that, there's that, there's no risk of that oversupply from, from that front, from, from all the research that I was doing showing at that. So I just set it as like a, a good safe minimum to work within that would still work around my strategy. But the town I ended up picking had around about the, it was kind of around about the 30,000 people anyway. So it was, it was, it was bigger than what my minimum criteria was. 
That's great. And it would have, I would make an assumption here, it'd have all the majors like, you know, Bunnings, uh, McDonald's, you know, Woolworths, Coles, all those big chain out there that start to get to that point. Because then, you know, once they actually have those out there, they've obviously spent a lot of money to be able to do their own research to, you know, invest in town because they're not going to go and set up one of these large major chains and start their distribution networks or just for, you know, maybe a 5,000 population town. And um, I know a few places that I've been to regionally, it's growing because you know that they're actually popping up new petrol stations, new hardware stores, all those kind of things because there's you know a lot of demand for people moving into it. So, that's that's really fascinating to be able to hear all that side of things and that's kind of like the criteria behind this one. I'm really interested in the crux of this story now. Like, how did this one come across? Did you actually have an agent call you back or did you actually just go in and go, oh, actually, I see the one. I'm going to go and search for it. Like, how did you find this particular deal now? The funny thing was, um, so what, what I did was when I was coming time to, to find this deal, uh, I, I actually picked those five locations, sorry, four locations that I that I'd sourced around Australia that worked. Um, and pretty much, I jumped in the Ute one day, and uh, I had well, I had the I had a, I, w- I took a week off. Um, I was kind of coming to the end of end of uh, work at this job, and I, I had a bit of leave locked up, so I took a week off because I was fair drive over to each of these towns and inspected all the blocks at the time and I also asked for any off markets or anything they're working on anything they think that might be coming up um, and I went and just inspected everything that I could um, and really just built those relationships with people um, it's it's funny as well when you go out to some of these regional towns like some of the guys like you go and inspect one property and they're like oh mate you drove so far come on I'm gonna take you out to lunch and they like take you out to lunch and you go have a two-hour lunch with this fellow and become best mates with him by the end and it was just it's just funny man like these, these different opportunities and, and um, different things that popped up off the basis of, of just going and doing this trip and so the one that I ended up buying wasn't on market so it was um, I went in and inspected uh, in this particular town. There was a few different blocks, there were, but there was a, th- a little three unit, a little three pack, and a five pack that I was very close on, but just they just weren't quite there. They were very close, but they weren't quite there on on, on pricing. Um, I was probably about ten thousand per unit off from where I needed to be was where the was where the seller still was. Um, and then one of those agents called me about two weeks later and he goes, mate, I think I've got one that'll work for you. He goes, it needs a little bit of work, but, but, um, and he, then he told me the price and I was like, well, you know, the, you know, I didn't, I didn't let it on to him, but I was like in my head straight away, that works. Um, so yeah, that, that was pretty much the way it was. It was just, um, yeah, making those, making those relationships and, uh, yeah, and effectively, effectively getting a good deal off the back of that. Yeah, it's fascinating because you never know. It, it doesn't matter if you just go and look at the particular deal that you set your sights on but in the end, you end up taking a left turn and then finding another deal somewhere else and, and if you don't do those things, you never actually end up being you know at that point in time because I guess that's it's all about networking especially when you have a two-hour lunch with someone. I'm pretty sure you learn quite a lot from them. You know, just like that other episode we just did, you're talking to the neighbor and the neighbor ended up coming back to you about your development. You find out so much. It is, mate. It, it's very interesting. It's very, it's funny, you know. And and the good thing about it is they they let on so much too. Like they love talking about their town and what's going on. You know, what's good, what's bad, um, and you honestly do learn so much from from uh, little, you know, things like that happening. So it's yeah, it's definitely a good way to, to kind of work it. <laughs> That's fascinating. It's amazing. So, this agent that came back and said, look, you know, I've got a four-pack here. Initially, you said, okay, the numbers worked in your head. What was this particular deal? Are you able to sort of just share with us how much it was that was on the market for? 
what was the the reason why the vendor was selling as well? Yeah, it was a divorcee sale. Um, so he was he was the same owner as the five pack. Um, so he th- that's why the agent was getting the the access to this four pack as well. It was the same owner, um, and he was going through a divorce. And so it was coming to the end of the divorce, and they were selling off all the assets that they that they you know they had essentially acquired over the over the marriage. And um, but this one needed a little bit of work. Um, two of the units. Uh, two of the units were fine and then the other two, uh, one, you know, could have used a tidy up and the other one was pretty much the same woman had lived in there for like 18 years. Like the thing definitely needed work. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, pretty much brought that to me and, and we, we just, so what, when he brought it to me, he was talking 400, he, he was talking around about 400, um, and then I think uh, we, we just did a bit of toing and froing for, for quite a while, and we ended up settling on um, I think it was three sixty four in the end as a as a pot, which was 90, 91k per unit. Wow, that's a nice discount of what almost 10 percent. Well, the perfect thing was as well he was rating like and put it in perspective. Normally, unrenovated blocks in this area were selling for per unit one ten to one ten to kind of one twenty five, depending on the size, for a two better. Now, the, the beauty of this block was that the the front three were all two betters, and the rear one was this big three better with the joined um, garage, like full full garage and big backyard and stuff. So it was almost like a house on the rear one. Um, so yeah, mate, that was that was really cool to kind of pick that one up in the in the mix as well. That's fantastic. I'm curious now with these type of units because in the back of my mind, I'm thinking of, you know, two-bedroom unit in Sydney. You know, it's got quite modern amenities and so forth and even if, if we go to like the more rundown kind of ones, you know, the solid brick ones going back in what, 1960s, 1970s kind of build. What Can you sort of describe what these units look like when you first saw them? They were literally like probably what you're thinking of, like a 1960s, 70s, um, you know, low set brick units. That's that's honestly what they what they looked like. Um, very very basic. Um, you know, they were all original. So when you walked in, all the carpets were literally like 50 <laughs> year old carpets, uh, which was which was crazy. And it was a good selling point because he, he'd updated his other ones, but he'd left these ones as is. And that was a good, yeah, sorry, selling point for me in terms of negotiation wise, uh, because I wanted to go and renovate them anyway. And I was like, I was like, mate, I was looking for ones that were already done. You know, like I didn't I didn't want to have to, you know, I wanted to at least sit here for a year. These things need work now. And um, it was a good it was a good opportunity to be able to really work hard on that price uh, in exchange for something that I was going to be doing anyway so uh, but yeah externally mate just kind of a low set they were they were more of a um, uh, kind of more like a a form of a better description kind of like a yellow rather than like a red brick or anything like that but they were actually pretty tidy little blocks so they look pretty good Probably realistically, they probably more are villas because uh, yeah, they're just low sets. They got little courtyards out the back, all of them. Um, the rear one had that had that big backyard. Uh, you know, they're 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 pretty tidy, mate. Like when we like my uh, one of my best mates and I, we went down and, and renovated them. Um, and when we did, we slept in um, the, <laughs> we slept in one of them for the whole week. We just slept on the floor, so it was <laughs> it was all right, man. Like <laughs> could have been worse. How long was the drive for you down? Like as you said, you hopped in and you, you drove down. How long does it take you to get down to a location like this? So when we when we drove to that one, um, we left. I think we left it. It was a fourteen hour fourteen hours of driving. So we left at like four in the morning and got there pretty pretty late in the night. After obviously we had to make a couple of stops on the way down. Um, but yeah, she was a she was a pretty lengthy drive that one. So we're talking about regional New South Wales here, right? Yeah, I can't give you too much, mate. Come on, buyers, I can't give you all my secrets, <laughs> location wise. I'm just curious because that's the thing. It's like to search for these kind of deals, they're sort of hidden, you know, like a little gem in the in the rough. And in order to find it, you got to search quite deep. It's like you know, f- trying to find a needle in a haystack, and you don't know where it's going to come out of the blue. <laughs> 
Yeah, definitely. Mate, it's so it's honestly so true. There's so many funny stories around this deal as well, like just different people that were involved and the old building and pest inspector. Like we ended up crashing out at his place one night because he invited us over for dinner. Like it was just, uh, just, just crazy stuff. Man. It was good, but it was good fun. Oh, awesome. Well, let, let's delve into the stories. I love to hear. So now that you've you found the property, you start negotiating, there was a lot of back to and forth. So what happened at the end? They end up selling for three sixty four. The owners gave you was it like an extended settlement, normal settlement? Like what happened there? Because they were already tenanted, and he was trying to wrap these up pretty quickly for um uh, for his divorce settlement. Uh, we we ended up paying um, we paid the ninety one per unit. Now the beauty of these ones. So these ones compared to say his other five pack that he had, these four were already individually titled. So his intentions all along was to individually title them and then to um uh, and then to, to to renovate them and sell them off. Yeah, uh, and and so to to kind of it's not a, like normally they cost about five grand per unit to kind of title, um, but to have these ones already titled was was a massive bonus. You honestly you almost never find it. Coming up after the break, we learn about another great deal which came off the back of this one. They weren't titled but they were in a better part of town like already in pretty good nick, uh, like not too bad at all. We discussed the renovation requirements for the four unit block. The very first thing we had to do was those those kitchens were literally falling apart. Um, so I brought the sledgehammer in and, and, and builded those ones out. We learned how profitable the deal really was in the end. It really did cost me just about nothing to, uh, to walk away from those things, pull all that capital and was funnily enough able to roll it into the next one as well. And that's next. Stay tuned. I'm Torrance Sharp and you're listening to Property Investory. Are you interested in finding great deals like Sam Gordon does? If the answer is yes, then let Sam help you find them since he does this all day, every day. I've asked Sam to offer a free 30-minute strategy session to help you put together an actionable property plan to help you build your portfolio just like him. To get your free strategy session, simply text 0499881040 and quote APS. Welcome back. Having bought the four-unit block previously, Sam was offered another deal at a lower price per unit by the same seller. Mate, I did consider them and I bought them about six months later when he absolutely had <laughs> So he sat there and then he he um, he ended up pulling them off and he was going to try and buy the wife out from doing them and then she screwed him over for something else and then the, uh, the agent came back to me. This was literally about six months later and he goes, what about those other ones you still want them? And they were in pretty good nick. Like they they didn't need the work um, and I ended up buying them for 88 grand a unit. They, they had they weren't titled, but they were in a better part of town, like already in pretty good nick, um, like not too bad at all. Yeah, we paid eight, I paid 88 grand a, a unit for those ones as well because I knew they stacked up so well too because when I'd renovated mine, so my two were already renting quite well that I had, but then when I renovated the other two and for a lot more than they than I thought they were going to. So um, so yeah, it was, it was really not that hard a decision when he came back and offered me the other ones as well. Yeah, especially when they're cheaper as well. You're thinking that's a no-brainer. It's a funny old deal, man. I guess that's what happens when you've got a motivated seller. You can actually negotiate and then once you've done a deal already with them, you know, it's more than likely they'll come back because there's no other buyers in the market by sounds of it. 
especially when it's a, it stacks up so well. Yeah, well, it was an interesting time, right? Like, there's always different things going on in the market. And when I picked those ones up, that was that was last year when there was all that election stuff going on, and and he couldn't sell them, man. There was it, well, he was trying to get he was trying I think he was trying to pull 125 a unit. Um, when he couldn't get them, he pulled them off, and then yeah, he had he had the thing you know happen with his um, uh, with his wife where she tried to shaft him right at the end, and he just he just had to cut him. And um, yeah, unfortunately for him, but I guess fortunately for me, I was the right man in the right place and and had the funds ready to kind of pick it up as well. I guess that's what happens when you've got a motivated seller. You can actually negotiate and then once you've done a deal already with them, you know, it's more than likely they'll come back because there's no other buyers in the market by sounds of it, especially when it's a, it stacks yeah. up so well. Yeah, well, it was an interesting time, right? Like, there's always different things going on in the market. And when I picked those ones up, that was that was last year when there was all that election stuff going on and, and he couldn't sell them, man. There was, it, well, he was trying to get, he was trying, I think he was trying to pull 125 a unit. Um, when he couldn't get them, he pulled them off. And then, yeah, he had he had the thing, you know, happened with his um, uh, with his wife where she tried to shaft him right at the end and he just he just had to cut him. And um, yeah, unfortunately for him, but I guess fortunately for me, I was the right man in the right place and, and had the funds ready to kind of pick it up as well. So Yeah, ouch for him and great thing for you. That's amazing. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> so let, let's break down this deal. I'm, I'm yes. really, really curious about how it stacked up so well. Now, you said that's 90 or 91,000 per unit, okay? Yep. Um, it's already, most of it's done except that there was probably two that you had to renovate. So, what did you do to the unit to actually bring it up? The very first thing we had to do was those those kitchens were literally falling apart. Um, so, I brought the sledgehammer in and, and, and builded those ones out. Nice. Um, I would have been having so much fun doing that too. <laughs> yeah, it was. It was good, man. It was good. <laughs> it was good fun actually. I haven't, uh, I haven't built it. I hadn't built a kitchen for a while. So, it was pretty good to, to take one out. Um, so, yeah, we ripped both kitchens out. Um, well, actually, we ended up doing all of them. We did the other two at a, at a later point when we came down. Um, but yeah, so we, we, with the first two that we did, we, um, when we pulled those kitchens out, we put brand new kitchens in. We, we were able to do them. We did those for about 1200 bucks a kitchen. Um, the, the stove was already in there. It was an upright stove. That was fine. We could leave that in there. We literally covered it up with a big, um, a big drop sheet and didn't have to touch that. Um, but yeah, fully ripped out the, the other kitchen and put new kitchen in. Um, and I'm not talking like just like one tiny little parcel here. Like we had um, a full section where the sink and everything is wall hung on top of that. And then another one, um, like almost like a little island one in the middle, kind of out in the, the living dining sort of area as well. So pretty decent little kitchens on, on that side of thing. That is not a, a small, nice kitchen. You're even giving them island. And island costs in a little, at least a grand or so too. Oh man, it's just shopping around hard, right? Yeah, you really did shop around hard. Especially in a town of what, 30,000, there would have been some substantial, I guess, uh, supplies there. You know, did you have your Bunnings there and all that to get that? Or did you have to have to order stuff in specifically? Yeah, yeah, no, Bunnings was there, man. Bunnings was there. Um, yeah, it was every everything that we really needed um, was definitely available there. And, and we could, the good thing was, we were able to price shop different people for different items that we did need. Um, you know, from from local suppliers, we were able to price shop them back against, you know, places like Bunnings and, and Mitre 10 and all the rest of it as well. So, um, so yeah, on that side of things, it was. It was, it was pretty good and um, I guess going back to your question before like yeah we did we, we'd ripped that out we did the kitchen um, ripped up all the flooring and and, re, and relayed all that as well um, bathrooms didn't need too extensive a makeover all the tiles and pretty much everything was in still was still in pretty good nick um, the only thing that really needed replacing was didn't even need it but it it, it it aesthetically made it look a lot better was just replacing the vanity which really is like 150 200 bucks with, with taps and you know a good little vanity in there um yeah about 200 bucks on that side of things and um uh and then just new ac units so that 
Um, the two that we were renovating at the time when we were down there didn't have AC units and then the other two did and they, they were fine, they were working. Um, it's just, I've always found in, in certain locations, pretty, pretty, I mean, pretty much everywhere, right? It's, if you can have a, a good little split system reverse cycle, you're always going to pull a little bit more rent. People are always going to be happier to rent there and stay longer um, and you can write it off too. So yeah, we put little split systems in each one of those as well. Yeah, it makes absolute sense. What about the carpet? The carpet? <laughs> yeah, the carpet was pretty bad. <laughs> So we, we had a couple of trips to the uh, to the tip with that one. Um, get rid of all that. It was the thickest stuff, man. It was like this orange. It was like an inch thick. This stuff was massive. No wonder it stayed there for fifty years because <laughs> it must have just kept piling on layer and layer of dirt. It was funny stuff. We yeah, we ripped that out um, and we we just uh, uh, re-lin- we the the living dining kitchen area like that whole full section in there, um, and we actually ran that way through into. To the into the laundry, which was like a runoff section through that as well, um, and then just recarpeted the bedrooms and and just with like good cheap dark, um, you know dark uh, dark carpet there and and yeah, it came up, came up trumps. Did you need to do any painting? Oh yeah, yes, yes, we painted. You just brought back the 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 the, the worst memory of my life, <laughs> other than the toilet in the other house that we discussed last time, was the roof. The roof in that front unit that the chick had been in for like eighteen years. It was just peeling. I've never been in a in a in a house before a unit renovated. We had to scrape the entire roof because it was just peeling. And then we so all the big open sections you could peel off, like like it would just peel off really easy in these big huge clumps. And then these other bits were just stuck, but they were all like flaky and just looked looked terrible. Um, so it literally we lost about a day scraping that roof. Like we were. Put this in perspective as well, Tyrone. We did these two units in seven days, fully top to toe renovation. Each unit was well, each unit was supposed to be three days, and then that we lost the day having to scrape that one roof. It was we weren't happy at the end of that day. I'd say the same thing. Gosh, you should have just hired another handyman to come out and do the hard labor. Yeah, seriously. By the end of it, we we were just like we were wrecked at the end of that day. But yeah, sorry. And then a full a full internal repaint as well, um, which was obviously. It just makes a place look so much better when you when you just add. It's just that one touch. Um, it honestly makes makes such a big difference. And a couple of other like, little handyman stuff we had to do. Like there was a few sagging ceilings. We just lifted them up, screwed them back. Screwed, you know, lifted the jit rock back up, screwed it back in the battens, and just all things you know, little things like that. Um, just to you know, aesthetically tidy it back up and make it really good for a for a reval, really for to rent and reval. So. Yeah. So you managed to have tenants out of there or you, you when you purchased that place, they didn't have any tenants in those two units at the back? I had one in the front. So the old lady that had been in the front for, for all that time, um, she was vacating and she was... Um, I think she was. I think she might have been um, losing it a little bit up top, and I think they were moving her into a nursing home. Um, and the guys that were right out the back, yeah, they. they uh, I think we, we just made it a condition of the of the lease. They were just a bit. It was just a bit grubby, and it was the big one, and I wanted to do it first. And they were on. They were the only guys on a periodic, whereas the other two in the middle, they were on. Um, they were on fixed leases with still a couple of months on them, so it just made sense to kind of kick those guys out and get that one done while we're down there. So you managed to renovate the two, and then the other two already had existing tenants in there, and they just stayed there while you're doing the renovations. Yep, yep. And then when we went back, we went back down. Um, it was actually the time that so when I went back down and bought the um, the other one six months later, took took uh, took a old mate with me, and, and we uh, we knocked out the other two in the middle at the same time. I'm wondering by then would he have said, "No, I'm not doing it again, Sam." <laughs> I'm not doing that peeling. I'm not doing that peeling again, man. If you get me to that roof again, I'm not coming with you. 
He literally said, he goes, if that roof stuff went, as exactly as you said before, he goes, we're paying a handyman or we're leaving it. He goes, I'm not touching it. I would have said that to you straight away first go, on the get-go. <laughs> nah, it, was, it was all good, man. By the time we are finished, we are pretty happy with how they all came up. I should have actually asked you, did you take photos before and after as well for, the, for those units? Yeah, we did on, uh, especially on the front one. On the front one, if you go on my, um, I'll send you through some photos, but if any of the listeners want to check it out, if you go on my um, my Instagram page of, of Australian Property Scout, I've actually got the before and photo, before and after photos of uh, of that job, including, including uh, there's a fair bit of the scraping of the roof. I think you can see, like, it's, it's just littered. Honestly, it looks like confetti all over the ground. It's it's nuts. Oh, wow. Okay, I'll go ahead and check it out myself as well. Could, could it have been actually other ways, just off the topic, could we have actually used maybe like a high pressure gun or got some kind of special chemical to just you know let it peel off rather than scrape it all off was that possible i haven't even looked into that side of things i didn't want to i didn't want to disappoint myself by finding an easier option (laughs) (laughs) if it look if i ever ran into it again i'd definitely look if there was any any way to do it but i guess the problem with a pressure washer is that you're going it was gyp rock so like it probably could have you know punched punched holes in that or you know that would have done damage you don't want you don't really want to wet wet jip rock you know too much um but I'm, I'm not sure about the other side of things but yeah what the problem was once i'd started i thought it would just be the, the bits that were all flaky i thought we'd be able to scrape them off you know seal over the the um uh the existing bits of paint there to kind of blend it in and then repaint it but once we started it just it just didn't stop well, so you're saying this was the internal you're talking about the ceiling you're talking about oh yeah sorry yeah yeah the ceiling I thought you're talking about the external roof. Okay, so let's let's talk about the result of it. You, you spent, you know, a good say a week, seven days, which is phenomenal. It's like you just got in there. It's like um, a full block renovation or so. Probably never that. And you only had two guys instead of like a team of twenty. One thing I love to do when I do jobs like this is on anything like like my mate that came with me. He's 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 a laborer, right? Like he doesn't have any sort of kind of trade skills. He, he hasn't done anywhere near as many renos as I have. So when when it comes time to do tricky things like, um, you know, fitting, fitting uh, or even cutting out the bench tops and fitting the sinks in, um, put it, you know, um, putting the kitchens into place, all, all the different stuff that I needed, like a second body to do that was knowledgeable on that side of things to knock it out quickly. Um, I think that's a big thing. Those sorts of jobs, it was like the toilet that we spoke about last time, right? Like I literally wasted like over half a day on something that I just should have just outsourced from the very start. And it honestly taught me um, that, that, you know, previous project of when there's things you need to outsource and get some experienced hands in there with you, if you get them to come in and help you, you absolutely smash it out. So um, both, both units, what I did was I had my handyman come in. um, He did, he did about over the week, he would have done maybe four half days. um, And we were, I was just, I was just paying a bit of cash on the side. Um, Doing, getting him in for a pretty good rate and and yeah we essentially just smashed all the stuff out that I needed him for to help me out with we just smashed all that out um, yeah in the in kind of four hour blocks and then and then we do all the labor work and then when he'd come in he and I would smash out all the tricky stuff and and it's honestly we yeah we got it down to a really down pat system that by the time we came down the second time I just did exactly the same thing that's so good and I think that that comes with your experience and your knowledge as well and plus you know quite handy as well so <laughs> it makes it a lot easier too to, to get in and, and do it so at, at the end of the day, the first the first two units that you renovated, how much time or how much did it cost you overall, and how much kind of return did you get back on that? Yeah, so we paid ninety one per unit um, for for those ones walking in, and we renovated both of them for just under five thousand dollars per unit. That was included, yeah, refloor, kitchen, um, just a little like split system, you know, thirteen hundred dollar system, whatever it was, uh, and the handyman over over like, kind of like two half days for what he did. 
yeah, we did a, each unit was just under five grand. So all up, like even with stamps, I think all up, yeah, with stamps, it was like, it was sub a hundred thousand to do those, to do both those, both or each of those units, sorry, as, as we did all four of them. Wow, that is phenomenal. I mean, even to do a renovation, I don't think I could even pull off five grand. I mean, I, I just recently spent... 30 grand on a renovation on just one unit <laughs> for new kitchen all that i mean you've really blown me away with five grand i think it's it's it's, it's with, with me right so it's probably also a very different maybe demographic where you're doing your 30 grand one for right like these units like when they when we're talking a hundred thousand dollar units i'm getting revals on two betters at 125 like I, I don't have that margin to spend that much more because when a valuer comes out they're not going to give me that much more for caesar stone bench tops over little laminate ones that we can just cut to size and pay a hundred bucks for a 2.4 meter sheet you know like there's there's ways of cutting costs on that lower end scale of renovation that really like you can really do them really really low end um and i think i learned that from all the other ones i did that just i kept refining it and making them cheaper and cheaper every time i did them but they still come out looking looking good man like that's literally it was brand new brand new kitchen like brand new you know cupboards and bench tops sink all that sort of stuff so it's it's definitely doable you just got to um and don't get emotional about it. Just go the cheapest, get it all done, you know, keep the cost down and then just bang it through. Now, that's amazing. So, after say getting it from Revad to say 125K, what kind of demographics do you, did you attract and what kind of tenant did you get in there? A lot of it was just singles, um, singles or young couples were just coming in and renting those out. Um, we had, so the very front one that the old lady was in last time because that one was... So as it went back, uh, as the, as the building went back, the the driveway dropped off a little bit. So they were up on I don't know, like the the back ones were probably up a good half a meter maybe from the ground. Um, but it meant the front one was on ground level. So as soon as that was finished, um, because it was fully renovated, um, there was a local like a like a disability company that came and put someone straight in that front one. Um, so we pulled on the renovated units. We're pulling uh, one ninety five on each of those. And then the big, sorry, on the two betters, and then on the big um, three better at the back renovated, we pulled two thirty five on that one as well. Wow! So that's an exceptional return. Yeah, we cleared ten percent. I think we we hit up around about ten and a half percent plus the depreciation with all that stuff being brand new as well. Wow! So since then, how much has the whole set been revalued at? The two betters all came back at one twenty five a pop. So I had three seventy five between those, and then the um. Uh, the three better at the back because it was bigger and, and it had a lot of other, you know, good stuff to go with it as well. Um, that one came in at 140 on the reval for that one too. So there's a decent little chunk that came in there. I think it came in at five five fifteen as a total from a um, yeah from a uh, four. It was about 400k all up to to do to just over 400k all up to do the deal. Gosh, okay, so that is quite a substantial amount of equity that you just gained from that, and that pretty much gave you almost. Well, it didn't cost you almost nothing when you think about it because that, that's paid itself off already, you know, especially when it's positive cash flow. Well, the beautiful part of it, Tyrone, was what, what I did was um, I walked into that because I already individually titled, but I bought them in one line. I was able to refinance them out individually um, and, and kind of pull all my capital out of each deal as well. So, I really, it, it really did cost me just about nothing to, uh, to walk away from those things, pull all that capital and was funnily enough able to roll it into <laughs> the next one as well. If you learned a lot from the episode, stay tuned for future episodes where Sam Gordon and I'll continue to share with you more property stories from his own journey. 
In the meantime, I've asked Sam to give us a free 30-minute strategy session to help you put together an actionable property plan to help you build your portfolio just like him. To get your free strategy session, simply visit australianpropertyscout.com.au and fill out the contact form or you can text 0499881040 and quote APS. Thanks for listening. My business used to be weighed down by the complexities of in-person payments. Then, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe came along and changed everything. With Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe, I streamlined my payment process effortlessly. Now I can accept in-person, contactless payments right from my iPhone. No extra hardware required. What's truly remarkable is how I can cater to all of my customers' payment preferences. Whether they're using cards, Apple Pay, or other digital wallets, Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe ensure a smooth checkout experience every time. And it's not just me. Stripe helps businesses of all sizes, from local markets to global retailers, scale quickly and stay agile. To learn how Tap to Pay on iPhone and Stripe can help grow your revenue and reach, visit stripe.com slash tap iPhone.